Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. News, talk, and sports for Bismarck Mandan. Super Talk 1270. It's time for Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Talk of the Town, brought to you by Big Boy. Just get in line, it moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty, Peak Automotive and Service, and Silver Ranch. Good Wednesday morning. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve and Coming up in just a little bit, we'll talk with Jason Spees at, at the bottom of the hour. And, uh, of course, this is a wattage Wednesday. Uh, also, Sarah Stogger coming up next hour. Andy Ani, we're going to get to her as well, talking a little social media and how that pertains uh, next hour. Uh, also, Jake Milney, we're going to talk about some wind turbines and uh, what that looks like with some of those assets when they're expired <laughs> and what's in the landfills. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, in the meantime, uh, one of the big events that takes place around the Bismarck Mandan area, right over the, uh, right down the road over in New Salem, North Dakota, it's ND Country Fest, and it is a great time. It's actually turned into um, a big, big event for uh, not only the communities around uh, New Salem, but uh, uh, the region as well. A lot of people travel for ND Country Fest because the lineup is absolutely great. Joining us uh, from ND Country Fest, Luke Schaefer. Uh, Luke, uh, how you doing, my friend? Hey, good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the backstory because um, you know a lot of people had had conversations for years and years and years about uh, why is there not a uh, an avenue for country music fans because people basically from here uh, and all over western North Dakota had to travel to WeFest. A lot of people were familiar with WeFest over in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And uh, it, it took a while. There were a few iterations of some different rock festivals and things around North Dakota, but nothing really stuck and there wasn't anything for that that country appetite that we've got here in North Dakota. And ND Country Fest comes along in New Salem, in the shadows of New Salem Sioux, and uh, it is growing. And that is um, something that other festivals and other shows have not done. So what's the secret sauce? What's the formula? And, and give a little backstory on, on ND Country Fest and how we got it here in North Dakota. Well, the backstory is, right, like I'm from, I grew up in Bismarck, you know, right there, right in the back the back, uh, the backwoods of the old, you know, of the area, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was growing up there and all my friends are from there. My families are from, you know, from Bismarck, Mandan area and the whole state, you know, I'm a St. Mary's grad, NDSU grad, all that good stuff. And, um, it was just one of those things like, why, why do all of our people in North Dakota, why do they have to travel out for some great entertainment? And it was just one of those things, like, why can't this exist in North Dakota? 
And then it's like, why, where should we put it? Well, let's put it where the beacon off the interstate, right? The interstate's great. You know, everybody knows, everybody knows when they drive through, through North Dakota, where the interstate is. And then they know where the cow is. So it's like, why not put it underneath the uh, big Salem Sioux? Cause even if you're from Washington or if you're from Wisconsin or if you're driving through, you're like, Oh yeah, I know where that big cow is. <laughs> but that was the thing. It was like, why can't this exist? And why do our people from North Dakota, why do they have to travel outside of the state to get great entertainment in a festival setting? And for sure, country music, it's country, country through and through. So when you're talking about uh, building a festival, because you mentioned mm-hmm. New Salem Sioux and, and everybody knows that landmark, but the, mm-hmm. the property below New Salem Sioux is also kind of key to that because if you're going to build out a festival, you have to have the camping, you have to have room to grow into. And uh, I, I've seen that with some of the other venues in North Dakota where uh, they just haven't had the room to grow. So it kind of tails off and, and not around anymore. Um, Tell us about the thought process of picking that location and then knowing that you've got room to grow into, you know, maybe someday it is a, a Wee Fest or a Cheyenne Frontier Days or one of those larger premier events, but you got to have the room to grow into that. Well, and I don't know if a lot of listeners already already know or not, but we did 65,000 people last year at our show. So it's it's big and we pulled from 40 different states and we pull from, I think it's now three to four different provinces in Canada. So we're pulling people from all over the United States. So it's not, it's not just North Dakota that, that, that's, uh, you know, we're going into our seventh, seventh uh, year, but uh, we are becoming a definite, definite national name, uh, especially around the country music tour and scene and the artists know us and the booking agencies know us. So it is quite, quite big and it's growing and it grows at a it's growing at a rate right now the last the last four years it's been growing at a rate of 30 percent and i can tell you right now where we're where we sit today over last year is we're at a rate at 40 percent this year over last year which is amazing now to answer your question yeah i mean the community was great you know everybody had their questions right the community was like well what are you going to do why are you why do you want to put it here you know, it'll never, you know, and then there's other, you know, the, the naysayers, not necessarily the community, but just in general of like, that'll never work. It, it, people tried this up in, in this area of North Dakota and they tried this over there and then it only lasted two years. That only lasted three years. You're only going to make it one year and that's it and whatnot. But knowing, knowing a couple things, right. There was an appetite for it. There's demand for it because it's country music and that never existed before in a festival setting, but you're right to go ahead and pick a place where you can expand. Well, shoot, in New Salem, if you get on top of the cow, you can see people driving in, driving out from Bismarck and driving back into Bismarck, right? It's so flat, right? There's room for it everywhere. But <laughs> doing the research on it, right? Doing the research on it and talking to the local landowners, too, saying, hey, this is what, this is what I'm looking to do. What do you think? If it does expand and we do need camping, you know, would you be, would you consider, you know, a partnership to go ahead and, and use that, that land that's close? Because if it does get to a point where we need that land, would you be interested in, in talking? And they're like, they're all like, yeah, we're, we're here to support it. We think it'd be good for not only the community of East Salem, but they were like, you know, it's a great thing for the state. And a lot of those folks there obviously do more than, than just their, uh, 
that are uh, just landowners in New Salem. A lot of those folks do a lot of things around the state too. So they're like, they're all in. Uh, they're like, best of luck and see what happens. And the first year it was like two nights of camping and we just needed the, just needed the camping grounds that was in the uh, Morton County Fairgrounds area. And, uh, and we did one night of music, which was Michael Ray was our headliner. He had the number one song in country music at the time. 4,000 people show up for that, for that one day. And it was like, I think we got something here. And now here we are, you know, years later. And now we're four days of country music, four nights of camping, 65,000 people. And it's just blown up and just the support of the whole, you know, initially, initially, right. It's that Bismarck Mandan, New Salem, that hundred mile radius where it supported the first two years. And then it just blew up across the whole state. And then, then, and now it's gone across the whole United States. Like if you look at, we look at our dot map every, every week on our ticket sales, the dot map meaning where people, zip codes are where people are purchasing from. And we're just amazed every every single week where more dots pop up around the country. And then especially, like I said, too, into Canada. We're talking with Luke Schaefer, Indy Country Fest. And, uh, you know, you've grown into North Dakota's largest camping event. Uh, You're going from one stage to multiple stages. We'll talk about that and the lineup this year when we come back. And then something else you're working on uh, concerning Tracy Bird. People may uh, be familiar with that name as well. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bach, and we're talking with Luke Schaefer, ND Country Fest. And uh, from its humble beginnings to now multiple stages, and, and I mean multiple, multiple stages, uh, we're talking with Luke Schaefer. And Luke, uh, you guys have a main stage, secondary stage, Frontier Village, um, the NDCF main stage, nightly party. Uh, it, you guys have got it all <laughs> going on out at New Salem. <laughs> You know, when you when we say music festival, we really mean music festival. All the pieces. <laughs> we, <laughs> right. Literally, you can show up and you can have dang near 14 hours straight of live music from when you get there all the way until, you know, when we shut down at about 2 a.m. So there's music all the way across the board. So, like, obviously our main stage, which has our main artist, this opens up when we call our, our music festival bowl. I mean, this year, it's, a, it's the biggest lineup we've ever had, you know, with Dirks Bentley, Riley Green, Michael Ray, Clint Black, Easton Corbin, Diamond Rio, Leroy Parnell, Pam Tillis, Ned Ledoux, the War Hippies, the list goes on and on and on. And you can check, we'll end up doing off of that main stage, roughly about 23 artists just off of the main stage in four days. But then we also have, <clears throat> every night, we have our nightly after party as soon as the main stage is done we have another stage that's in our our big huge tent in the back of the bowl area 
uh, that has our DJ Do, which DJ Do is our DJ that runs all the way from with our after party all the way from 1230 all the way till 2 a.m. He's also our MC of the whole show. But Do is a great friend of mine. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with Phoenix and the Phoenix Open or the Houston Rodeo or the NFR. They've ever been to those other events. He's that guy. He's from Phoenix. Actually, he's from Tucson. He's a great friend, and he does a great job with our after parties and M scene. So that takes you all the way till 2 a.m. But also that is another secondary stage where we do national artists up and comers every day from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And there's a whole other set of uh, up-and-comer national artists that play that stage for that hour, those hours. And then we have another stage that we call out in Frontier Village, which is in our Frontier Campground, which we're going to be, it's new this year to 2024, is what we call our Fest Day Live. A lot of our fans, they know that we do a lot of social media and social media lives, and we appreciate all of you guys watching those. But we're going to come to the crowd, in the crowd, on stage, right there in the village. We'll be doing all kinds of interactions, and with the music behind it out there on that stage too. So, you know, 14 hours easy of music every single day, live music. You know, Luke, that's one of the things with this festival because you touch all the bases, you know, Dirk Bentley, the big headliners, Clint Black, uh, one of the staples when I first got into country music back in the 90s. And, and I remember when Clint Black used to rock and he rocked hard. Uh, Pam wow. Tillis, uh, you, you cover the bases for absolutely everybody. And one of the things I am really excited about is that up and coming stage because I used to work in some space with new artists and and that energy that comes from new artists that are just looking for the exposure and they're not quite there yet. They haven't quite hit, but they're right on the cusp. And then the ability for fans to go, Hey, I saw them before they were that big famous artist. It's like, I saw Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift. It, you know, that's a cool <laughs> part of that. You guys provide that. Exactly. And that's a great part of the experience for our folks. Like you said, like I, I saw Taylor Swift she was on the secondary stage at such and such. And, and we like it. We got a great lineup for that too. We haven't released it, but I'll give you one right now that we're going to put out there is Taylor Austin die. She's on our, on our main stage too, but she'll be running the secondary stage uh, one, one day, but it's uh, she's a twist between Gretchen Wilson and Miranda Lambert and, and her voice and her stage presence. It's just a matter of time for her. And she has a great kind of country rock edge to her. And uh, when you hear her and you see her live, it's like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. Just a matter of time. And that's fun because, too, like, like you know, Steve, it's like when those secondary stages, you're right there. I mean, it doesn't get any more up and close and personal uh, than that. And, our, and those, are, those are the ones you saw them before, before they were, you know, before they were. You know, uh it- it's a long way before ND Country Fest, but some of those ticket packages you guys have, and, and I know the camping goes fast as well, but uh, the VIP weekend admissions, you're almost out of those. We are. You know, there's literally less than 20 VIP weekend passes for the festival, and those go fast, and this is the fastest that's ever gone uh, for us this year. Usually they always, they have always sold out. Last three years they've sold out, but this is the soonest. Uh, they have gone. So if you want to go VIP this year, excuse me, <clears throat> definitely get on and ndcountryfest.com and grab those VIP tickets now. We still do have, a lot of people do ask about payment plans, and we do have that. So when you do go on our ticket site, instead of hitting buy tickets, hit reserve, and then it'll load it up into the uh, 
into the payment plan for you. Uh, so what is that website? It's ndcountryfest.com and just hit tickets and then it'll take you right to it. Pretty simple. I, I wanted to give you a couple minutes to talk about something that uh, you're kind of expanding into some other areas a little bit. Um, tell us about the Your Town Tour. So the Your Town Tour, just a quick history of that, was it was about 2018. Um, it is uh, my partner in this is the other or the other owner partner, um, Brandon Ralph. We we're like, man, we kind of we have backgrounds of sports, you know, sports and coaching and recruiting and playing and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, man, I think we need to go out and probably just go on like drive around and talk to people in all these small towns around North Dakota and let them know what North Indy Country Fest is about and what we do and what we're doing and what the future looks like and ask them, literally ask them who they'd like to see uh, at the, at Indy Country Fest, you know, for as far as artists. So we jumped in a car and we made a map and we went around and we went to dang near the first year. We went to dang near every little small town, went to the cafes, went to the restaurants and the big towns, Bismarck, Faro, James Dickens, and all that kind of stuff, handed out posters, handed out magnets, talked to everybody. And, uh, that was the first year and it went so well. And then we video it with Facebook lives all the way through. And all of a sudden there's people watching us and tracking us and meeting us at, Hey, meet me at this cafe in New Leipzig or this, this place in Wishick, you know, and so on and so on. And now that thing has grown to where now the second year that we had done it, we're like, we should do some concerts with it on some of these stops. But now that's grown to where, now we have over like 2 million views and engagements on social media while we're driving around the whole state. But now we have 10 different, now it's grown not to just the North Dakota. We have 10 different concerts uh, around the whole Midwest with the Your Town Tour and that headliner is with Tracy Bird. And now we go, we have, we have six shows in North Dakota. We have three shows in South Dakota. We got one show in Omaha, Nebraska, and then we have one show in Wyoming. And then now there's other venues uh, in other states, especially Colorado, uh, that we had we had talked about earlier about that off offline. But it was, uh, we'll probably expand into Colorado and possibly Arizona in 2025. So this thing, it gets us out there. We go in and we put these shows on. We're in front of these communities. It's a great show. Usually they're smaller venues and a big name, and it's a great experience for everybody. And it gets the ND Country Fest. Uh, name out there and brand out there and a lot of times what happens as soon as we put these shows on say like in Gillette Wyoming a lot of folks will purchase our tickets and come to the show in July to the festival and and it's really great for us and we come out and see everybody and we talk to everybody and we're not behind uh not behind any any type of uh desk or anything like that or nothing we're out and we're out and about and that's what we love to do is talk to the people and be in front of the people and be in front of our guests and, and potentially new guests Looking looking forward to uh, ND Country Fest coming up again this year. It is going to be a great time growing every year out at New Salem, uh, camping, four days of country music, uh, different stages, different atmospheres, different genres of country music, which is really a cool part as well. A lot for everybody. Uh, also, the uh, Your Town Tour with Tracy Bird. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing if you uh, got a little watermelon crawl in you. 
<laughs> I, all day long. I, I, all day long. <laughs> we watermelon crawling all across the Midwest. <laughs> Perfect, Luke. Uh, once again, uh, people want to find out more information, ndcountryfest.com for the Your Town Tour or ND Country Fest, those VIP packages. You can actually put them on a payment plan, but uh, those are going extremely fast. Luke, uh, looking forward to another update. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, we look forward to you and to the future with you guys, too. Luke Schaefer, Andy Country Fest, coming up in the very near future. Also, the Your Town Tour with Tracy Bird. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Conservative talk without apology. The Regular Joe Show with Joe Giganti. Weekday evenings at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Talk of the Town, brought to you by Big Boy. Just get in line, it moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty, Peak Automotive and Service, and Silver Ranch. Good Wednesday morning. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270 on a Wattage Wednesday. I'm Steve Bach along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life. You can catch Crude Life Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Good morning, my friend. Good morning and a happy Wednesday to you, sir. How is your day going? It's going well, and I'm sure your day is going much better now that you have your phone back, too, because you had an interesting day yesterday losing your phone. And and how important is it to you to have a phone? I, I, I can't imagine, because I, I, I hearken back to the day when we didn't have cell phones and life was so much simpler, but um, in the business world today, uh, you misplace or... or temporarily lose that cell phone good lord that, that you must have had a fun day jason i was retracing a lot of steps i was going through a lot of different um scenarios in my head because when you lose your phone you lose a lot well it, um, it's part of your work life and you're connected to i would leave my phone at home a lot because i just don't like being attached to it except for work i need it for work i I thought it you know this this was a great exercise yesterday because what 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 ended up happening was is that um i'm you know i'm down in arizona right now on the uh eastern side of the state and i'm just i was in a kind of a you know a, a very popular uh travel america loves gas stationy type of a place but the town's only 3000 so it's a smaller town but pretty active because it's on i10 which goes from houston to san diego so it's just constant truck traffic right and so um because there's some spots for my dog to kind of go around a little bit i've i've been spending a little bit of time here and um what ended up happening, Steve, was I was putting on some long pants because in the Arizona evenings and the Southwest evenings, they do get cold fast. Like you go from 77 degrees down to 37 in like 20 minutes, right? And um, so I put my phone on top of the vehicle. And then when I went to the back area, I have this hatchback where the hydraulic doesn't stay and it kicks down quick. And I forgot, hit my head was so distracted and upset by my head getting hit and from the concussion I suffered, I forgot about the phone on top of my car. I didn't get a concussion, but um, it did hurt for a while. It did throb. 
<laughs> so the car, the phone was found in the middle of an intersection. And the only intersection it was at was that busy intersection with all those trucks. And all I could think of is, oh, my, how did that not get smashed? How did that not get run over? But by the grace of God, it, it didn't. And I it, I didn't even have to pay a reward. I was expected to pay pay a reward and everything, what, you- but they just dropped it off. You had a good Samaritan that uh, they saw the phone and stopped and picked it up out yes. of the intersection, rescued it so it didn't get run over by one of those trucks. And and it was funny because I called um, later yesterday and this gal answered the phone and was like, oh, good. I'm glad somebody called because we were trying to figure out whose phone this was. And, you know, especially in a smaller community, you're probably assuming that it, it's somebody local, probably somebody you know. And... Uh, but- but, Steve, I was even going as far as thinking, okay, what are my banking apps yeah. on this phone? What are my photographs on this phone? Because, really, all you need to do is take the phone apart, take out the SIM card, put it into a SIM reader, and you have access to the phone. I don't think you necessarily need the fingerprint or the uh, passcode at that time. Now... This is a relatively newer phone in the last several months, so therefore I did not have a lot of my life put on this phone yet, but I am traveling. What, am I going to go get a map? I mean, what, what, what do I see? I mean, come on. I mean how am I going to find Texas? What am I, just going to take road signs? Come on here. I mean, when I started thinking about just the roadmap side of life, I felt like an idiot. You know, it's a good exercise for your off-the-grid office, and you really had to put that to practice, didn't you? Well, because really the whole reason the off-the-grid office works is because you centralize it down to your phone or a phone and a laptop. And really that's what off-the-grid office became was a phone and a laptop. And your phone's your hotspot. Your phone is so vital for that personal, financial, all the important information. Now, now folks, for... For, for those of you folks out there wondering what is off-the-grid office, at the end of the day, what it became was really a research project for the crude life to find out how off-the-grid can the crude life go. Now, we're not an oil and gas exploration company. We're a media company. But to tell the story about what can be used and what is not going to be used and what we found out was really remarkable because, you know, the idea of oil and gas is it's never going to go away. I firmly believe that. And the minute you try to make it go away, it's going to start seeping out of the ground and we're going to have to call Jed Clampett again and get back to, you know, Beverly Hillbills oil again, Hillbillies oil again, right? Because 90% of the oil that we discover in the ocean is seeping from the bottom, you got to remember 70% of the ocean is still un- undiscovered. So we got a lot ways to go. So oil and gas is never going to go away. It's, it's use is going to be reinvented, just like coal. It's use is going to be reinvented, just like solar, just like wind. It's use is going to be reinvented. And in the next hour, we're going to talk about a way that wind is going to be reinvented because they continue to be a scour on the land landfills across America, Casper, they don't want anymore. North Dakota actually passed a, a bill last year in the legislative session saying, you now have to have a permit if you're going to dump one of your wind turbines in our landfill in this state. 
because that's the way it's going to be now. So, Steve, we're going through this energy transition. And so off the grid office, what we found is that if you're doing a media company, you can really do it off the grid pretty easy because really, what are you powering? You're powering your laptop. You're powering some computers. You're powering this and that, you know, an office, which you can do on a limited scale. Uh, the real issue is the Internet because uh, these these jetpacks really for a media company, you know, you're, you're talking about gigabytes and terabytes of files at the end of the at the end of the month, at, literally at the end of the day. So, you know, something like a Starlink or something like that is needed for and off the grid. So the one thing we did discover over the last two years by going off the grid with the uh, the crude life is that we did it except for the Internet. Everything but the Internet is that uh, in the Midwest, Starlink is not available and those jetpacks, you burn through them in a week because of the the file sizes and etc. So I've been talking for a while, Steve. The good I'm news hand is on back to you. The good <laughs> news is we're up against a break. The better news is you found your phone. Uh, a great little good Samaritan that uh, that found your phone and did facilitated trying to get it back. Actually, the hard part was I was like, "Gosh, how do I contact Jason?" I, I sent emails and through LinkedIn and some different media, social media stuff. I'm like, I hope he reads these on his computer at some point. He's gonna got he's got to get on his computer. So at least we got your phone back to you. Uh, when we come back, actually, I, you were talking and I just triggered in my mind. I figured out what the next big money suck out of the taxpayers going to be after we get over to the electric vehicles we're going to have to sequester oil that's seeping up through the ground so they're going to get paid to put it back into the ground i i i i'm figuring this out right now this is talk of the town on super talk 12 super without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Supertalk 1270. I'm Steve Bogan, along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life. Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Supertalk 1270. Jake Milney coming up at 10 o'clock. We're going to talk about wind and wind turbine and asset disposal. But uh, Jason had an opportunity to talk with Charles Tuttle yesterday on a conversation went longer than I had planned on it going. And one of the talking points uh, we were visiting on were the definition of a rhino. Now, you've been traveling around and you've seen other iterations. Rhino is not... a, a Republican in name only, uh, Rhino is not a something that's unique to North Dakota. No, it's not. In fact, it's been around for about 20 or 30 years, I guess. But in the last several years, it's really kind of escalated. Uh, Rhino is Republican in name only. And, you know, Mitt Romney was kind of one of the first ones to kind of be labeled a, a rhino back when nobody was really using the term very much. And by the way, there's also dino, Democrat in name only. So it's rhinos and dinos. So what I'm about to say is is true with the Democrats, too. So what a Republican in name only, from my perspective, is and they used to be called Re- Republicrats. 
and Demikins. So a rhino and a dino, it's just by a horse by a different name. So a lot of Republicans, they're very business-minded. And then they're also Christian conservatives or Christian value-based individuals. And so when you take a look at, you know, back when like Barry Goldwater was warning of this issue and back at a lot in those days, um, there was a separation of church and state. And one of the reasons there was a separation of church and state is because they didn't want people to get their value system from the state because who knows what the special interest of the state was when you took it from a Christian based or a Jewish based or a uh, Muslim based or some sort of uh, uh, theology based value system. Well, now you can have a society. So when you talk about a traditional Republican, a traditional Republican pulls its value system basically from the 10 commandments. What a rhino does in North Dakota its value system from Drew Wrigley. So if Drew Wrigley says it's okay, or Randy Christman says it's okay, well then the values are okay because the government said it's just fine. And that's really what a rhino is. A rhino is someone who uses the value system that a Republican built its whole empire on in order to advance their special interests. And I'll give you an example here, Steve. You know who the original rhinos are? Are Joel Osteen and Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker. Are these preachers who would use the value system to profit? Because Ten Commandments, number three, thou shall not use the Lord's name in vain. It's not swearing like I was told when I was a kid. No, I shall not use the Lord's name for my own vanity, for my own KLXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the VIEW Community Credit Union Studio. Take us wherever you go. Download the free Super Talk 1270 app in the App Store or Google Play today. Talk of the Town, brought to you by Big Boy. Just get in line, it moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty, Peak Automotive and Service, and Silver Ranch. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bakken along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life. You can catch Crude Life Sunday mornings 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Joining us on the program, Jake Milney. Uh, he is an entrepreneur and works in wind turbine blade processing. Um, some interesting stuff in Wyoming going on. Of course, North Dakota passed a bill uh, for some of the reclamation. Jake, thanks for joining us. Bet's Good to see you here with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, nice to have you back on the program. Um, you know, I want to talk a little course, bit about. Steve. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was go ahead. Just Jason. mention real quick. We, you know, we had we had Jake on before uh, as as an individual tracking some of these different wind legislations, Correct. some of the subsidies, some of the different things. And um, one of the issues that's coming up across the United States is is the landfills, and. They've got some major issues in Wyoming happening with some landfills with with their wind turbines. And in North Dakota, 
we passed a law, I think in the last session, that you have to have a permit in order to put a wind turbine in a landfill. But there are 2,200 of these wind turbines in landfills, Steve. And as you know, they don't, you know, it's not like they biodegrade. So what I see happening here because of poor leadership is that what happened with the oil and gas industry with the orphan wells is going to happen with the wind turbine industry to go into these landfills and have to take them out of there, grind them down, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of what, what the overall theme with, uh, I was going to talk to Jake, or we, I wanted to talk to Jake about today because he's in the middle of it. He's getting it from both sides. He's even been pulled to Illinois because they got problems there. So anyway, sorry about that. Sorry to interrupt Jake. Sorry to interrupt Steve. I just wanted to kind of give a little context. Um, talk to us a little bit about the issue in, in Wyoming to give people an idea what's been going on, if you don't mind. Well, they put tons of blades into the landfill, created quite the fuss. And you've seen the news story a few years back all the way across the world. Uh, the good thing that came out of that is that now the majority of these OEMs, uh, original equipment manufacturers, are requiring their blades to be uh, recycled. And all the owners of the wind farms are going the same way. Uh, the last uh, budget session, I believe it was, uh, there was a, a bill put forth to uh, make sure, do similar to what North Dakota did. Uh, however, it was a budget session. You rarely get anything heard on that. We're in a budget session right now. I'm hearing about uh, uh, other topics being pushed down. They're concentrating on the budget. You got to remember these guys that are in your state legislative branch. They're you know part time. They've got full time jobs also, and uh, they're spending that extra time to go and uh, and pass laws. Uh, One second here, Jake. One second here, uh, Steve Bach, and your your former mayor of Bismarck, Burley County chairman, right now. You know, when I think of the oil and gas industry, I think about how much money they have reinvested in the communities, whether it be from emergency service equipment they're buying, communication equipment, roads, and a lot of times they're building roads, et cetera, et cetera. Here's an industry that they built on their own. And here's an industry that the government built, which is the wind industry. Notice how there's not a lot of investment back, Steve, from the wind companies. There's a lot of investment back from the oil and gas companies, but I don't see a lot of that investment coming back from the wind companies. I see the investment coming back from the people to solve the problems that the wind companies were supposed to take care of when they got the subsidies to begin with. Steve, you've been in government for a long time. Talk me off the ledge or help me through that, understand that a little bit. One of the things I was proactive about is, and this goes back to prior to me being mayor or on the Burley County Commission, is... Um, what's the reclamation process? Because in most contracts, the landowner owns the asset, um, which doesn't play into the reclamation side of stuff. What do you do with that? They, when company will take it down, and then what? You're stuck with it. Uh, you know, one of my biggest issues, uh, Jake, is when you take a look at that incredibly large subsurface structure that is there to support this big wind tower and the elements that come along with those winds um, 
anybody who's grown up on a farm or, or picked rock knows that things work themselves to the surface. Four feet down doesn't stay four feet down very long um, in in North Dakota. Uh, do you see some of those issues in, with the subsurface side of things in Wyoming as well? Well, of course there is. It's a highly regulated industry, right? Now, let me change gears on you. Uh, down in Osage County, the Osage Nation, uh, there ha- is a lawsuit that's been opened up where they went and, of course, they excavated to put their foundations in. Well, here we are 10 years later after the farm was built, and uh, they, the uh, bureaucrats turned around and said, well, this is considered mining. And the Osage Nation owns all the subsurface mineral rights. So now we're going to consider this mining because you took the dirt out, you put the foundation in, you brought a, a crusher in and uh, used the uh, rock, the large parts of the excavation for the backfill, uh, which is understandable where they're coming from. You know, it's basically a, a quarry mine at that point, right? But this has become a huge issue that uh, – you know, we've seen in the oil and gas industry, and in one sense, I'm glad that uh, they're looking at the wind industry, tr- trying to hold them account- accountable also. But in the oil and gas industry, we've seen how it slows things down. It costs money, in which at the end costs the consumer money. Now, here's the biggest problem. It's going to cost roughly $300 million to tear this down, and they still have uh, ongoing litigation. Um, you know, it, it just blows my mind that how this is going, the bureaucrats get involved. The main thing is, is there was permits put in place. The Osage Nation owns the land and the mineral rights. They approved it. And then it goes to the federal government. They approve it. And, uh, now here we are 10 years later saying, oh, wait, you guys screwed this up. Wasn't this in, in the plans to do this project? I surely everyone knew that in the permitting process, there was foundations being put in. Uh, It's just wild. These things are going to continue to pop up because it's a new industry, right? But I've said it on here before, and Jason on the Crude Life, we've talked about it both uh, personally as well off air, is that the new industry, why don't we look both for the safety and environmental side to existing industry and uh now we're starting to learn about the regulation side with the uh blades recycling and now this very strange new one subsurface mineral rights i I highly suggest uh everyone looking into it i found a great podcast this morning that uh talks about it in more detail and i'll uh post that over to your guys's linkedin pages this afternoon Jake Milney, uh, we're talking with Jake Milney concerning uh, wind towers and wind turbines and assets after the fact. And I want to come back to that because, uh, you know, you take one down, where does that wind up? And I look at reclamation projects or what the reclamation side of things is because you have to do your diligence for planning for that end of life for that asset. Um, oil and gas industry does it really well. Coal industry does it better than anybody else. Uh, you know, their reclamation projects, uh, North Dakota's the poster child for how to do it right uh, with the coal industry. Um, but that's not all there in the wind side of things. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Talk of the Town. 
Welcome to January 31st on the National Day Calendar. Today, we're getting a little silly with our routine and warming up with a sweet, comforting beverage. Backward day is a chance to shake things up a bit. It's a day to reverse our ways, to have dessert before dinner, or even wear your clothes backwards. This playful break in routine adds a bit of fun to the mundane and encourages creativity or a different perspective. So on Backward Day, we say goodnight to get the day started and good morning to bring it to a close. Backwards man, the backwards man. I can walk backwards as you can. I can walk backwards as you can. What other things could we do for Backward Day? Hmm. Besides wearing your clothes backwards like what you're doing right now. You look cute, by the way. I was just about to say, do you not see this hat, my shirt, my pants? Everything's backwards. I tried to do my shoes, but it didn't. It didn't work. It hurts, right? To have your left shoe on your right foot after yes. a while. It was, yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. But we could like, oh, Marlo, you should walk around backwards all day. I could do that. That would actually be funny. Okay. I'll put a camera <laughs> on my head so I can see where I'm going. <laughs> Like, that makes a lot of sense, right? It makes no sense at all. <laughs> Transitioning from the amusing world of backward day, we indulge in a beverage that's been warming us up for centuries. Hot chocolate, also known as drinking chocolate, has been enjoyed since the time of the Mayans and Aztecs. Today, hot chocolate is a winter staple, a sweet comfort on cold days, and even a gourmet creation in some establishments. On National Hot Chocolate Day, we celebrate this delectable concoction that brings warmth and sweetness into our lives. I'll tell you something, this is the ultimate blended drink. Where do you find this place? I first came in because of the name. Mm. Serendipity. It's one of my favorite words. It is? Mm-hmm. Why? Okay, so we could totally use hot chocolate day today. Yeah. And backward day. Yes. How are we going to do that? We're going to the coffee shop. We're going to order hot chocolate and have them put the marshmallows in first. Oh, yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Because they'll have to get involved then, too. Grab your keys, Marlo. Let's do it. I'm Little A. Johnson. I'm Marlo Anderson. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate every day on Destination Celebration. Until next time, keep celebrating. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Super Talk. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. 
You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bogan along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life. You can get your Crude Life Sunday mornings 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. We're talking with Jason Milney, uh, expert in wind turbines and uh, what the reclamation process is of that. So, okay, we're putting in new wind turbines, uh, wind farms all the time, heavily subsidized. Um, you know, Jason, you brought up a great point about what do they really give back? Well, we wind up having to figure out these mitigation issues. And North Dakota just passed uh, a bill uh, for the reclamation side. Wyoming just did not, but uh, uh, hopefully that's going to come back again. What are you seeing around the country when it comes to reclamation? Because typically you can't recycle them. There is a lot of value in uh, recycled carbon fiber, um, but there's not an incentive because apparently industries need incentives all the time instead of just doing the right thing because that cuts into the bottom line uh, for the shareholders. But without incentives, how do you keep them out of landfills? Uh, There needs to be some legislation that keeps these products out of landfills because you take a look at a wind tower in North Dakota, I'm guessing Wyoming's probably similar because of the wind, the cold weather, uh, the temperature, the climate extremes. Uh, you're replacing blades on a seven, six, seven-year schedule. Um, that's a lot to go into the landfills. And we're winding up through the Midwest with large tracts of land that are just burial sites for these assets once they've expired. What are you seeing, Jake? You know, the trend is recycle, recycle, recycle. And that's... Uh, you know, I think largely uh, for good publicity, and but you know we good go- small government is the best way for industry, right? While I agree that those, that legislation needs to be put in place, um, you know it, the small legislation. Let's not make this a six seven hundred dollar seven hundred page uh, law that we're going to put in that everyone has to sift through to find the loopholes to figure out how to do it and uh you know let's uh hey let's make it a simple one sentence law no no wind turbine blades in landfills ever that's that's said and done now let industry do their work you know and with industry doing their work there's uh several people and let me uh be be clear we are not a recycler we are a processor we are the middleman that sends it to the recycler that we approved and the energy company approves one of those companies is reach and fiber what they're doing is shredding it again uh to much smaller pieces and then they're putting it into uh, uh roads concrete uh asphalt mortar it's a great binding agent. Uh, so that's one way. But they have to be able to sell it on the back end because we can't do anything for free, right? Then uh, there's uh, Veolia that uh, they grind it with and uh, mix it with bottles. They send it to cement kilns. They burn it twice and then use it as an additive. That reduces Portland and sometimes uh, in other additives by uh, fly ash, for example, that comes from the uh, – the uh, coal-fired power plants, uh, and they put that in as an additive, sometimes reducing up to 70% of those natural additives, and at least it's not going into landfill. Um, I think that the burning it twice, I'm questioning that side of things when it comes to carbon sequestration. That's a very uh, controversial issue there. But, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, reclamation. 
and how the coal mines do it great. I'm sure both of you have uh, drove down 85 south of Gillette, and there's that uh, great big open pit coal mine. And what they're doing, they go in, they they get to the veins, they pull the coal out. They got all, they've got what one, two, three, four, five power plants right there within a very small radius. They send it to the power plant, burn the coal. Well, now all your extra aggregate goes back into the hole. And they've been doing that for a while. It looks great. And then they go and reseed everything. Uh, they're doing a great job. I agree. We need to look to the industry, right? Uh, the existing industry to take care of these problems. When they decide to take down a wind turbine blade, they, uh, of course, get their permitting and everything. Oftentimes now they're doing repowers where they will uh, tear down and rebuild on the same foundations to get put new, better technology in, taller, and uh, produce more power. And then, of course, there's times that they're just tearing it down and walking away, and uh, whatever they leave back there in the ground is up to uh, either the landowner to say, you know what, I guess this is just uh, going to stay here, or how am I going to get it out of here? And that that has a lot to do with the contracts that were written in the past couple decades. Uh, landowners are becoming to be privy to that, and things are changing, which is good. But uh, that was my question, though. Is- Jake, that, that was my question. When when you say when you say they, um, is it? I guess who is who's paying for this at the end of the day? Is it the landowner? Uh, is it the government? Is it the the energy company? And I'm I'm sure it's a mixed bag. But talk to me a little bit about that because, you know, when we talk about the carbon market. We had Jeff Comer on a few weeks ago, and he said one of the differences between the oil and gas industry. And the carbon market was that the government is essentially driving the entire carbon market. And so when we talk about, you know, reclamation and some of these different things, who is driving that market? Is it, you know, does the government reach out to you? Does the landowner reach out to you? I mean, I know you were in Illinois talking to landowners the other day. Walk us through that a little bit. Uh, that was actually my partner, Paul Probst. He's originally uh, from Illinois. And those were, uh, those contracts were several decades old. Uh, the farm owner is, well, let me back up for a moment. So typically involved with this, you have the landowner, you have the farm owner. And if the farm owner does not operate it themselves, they hire another company that operates it for them. The farm owner is responsible for taking it down, but oftentimes subsurface uh, and sometimes entire towers are left in the hands of the landowner because they didn't read through the uh, fine print and see that they're responsible for it. And it's costing these guys millions of dollars. And uh, how much money do they actually make off these old turbines that didn't produce a huge amount of power? Were they getting money out of the power produced, or were they just getting a lump sum to use the land? Uh, what do we see in oil and gas? You go out on a rancher's land, often these ranchers are going to charge you, you know, a couple hundred dollars a day for a set of tires to drive down the road. You know, we got to take care of the landowners. Otherwise, why the hell am I going to put one up on my land if it's going to cost me more money than it brings in? Uh, that depends on the contracts. I think more and more the industry is swinging towards the uh, power producers are going to have to take care of that. And there's less 
being decommissioned, then the trend is that less are being decommissioned and more are being repowered. So the owner of the farm take it down and have a contractor come in, take it down, and then uh, rebuild right there. Um, but that's the trend, is that the now it's going to that, and how's the industry being driven? Yeah, of course it's being driven by government, and uh, the same as oil and gas. How much can we export? How much can we drill? How long is it going to take me to get a permit here? Where it's kind of the opposite with uh, the wind, where it takes a little bit less time, and uh, they're finding out on the tail end. <laughs> For years they've been finding out on the tail end that uh, things aren't working the way that they thought it was going to work. And the other thing that's interesting is oil and gas companies and coal-fired power plants are investing in wind. Why is that? Well, we know how expensive wind is. Uh, so now they've uh, it, it's smart business. They know that they're losing money on that side. They're trying to get it to make money. But at the end of the day, that's a subsidiary of the Berkshire Hathaways out there. So now they can burn more coal to make more money. And uh, because they have this other industry that's evolving, that's not making a whole lot of money yet. You know, that's a I'm probably going to get my head cut off for even mentioning that. But uh, it's the truth. And uh, laws, regulations, subsidies and government dictating how free market works is the driver. Jake, we're up against a break, but uh, just so where does this go? Is it better education from a landowner's perspective, knowing what you're putting on your land? Uh, Because I'm never going to fault a landowner that goes, they're going to give me a big check and that's going to help my farm or ranch operation. I I, I won't fault them for that. But there's a diligence. There's a learning curve. Is it that? Is it the regulation side? Uh, Where do you fix the issues? Well, most farmers and ranchers are used to doing business on a handshake the way it's supposed to be done. Um, fine print, yes, there's a lot of due diligence that needs to go into it where these C-suite corporations have teams of lawyers and a farmer hires old uh, John Doe down the street and his uh, family's family of lawyers working with the farm for years. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, Definitely the due diligence, and luckily the fact that these uh, contracts aren't being written that way anymore is a huge help to the landowner. Uh, It's just unfortunate the people that have to deal with it along the way to figure that out. Uh, Just like we spoke about the Osage County issue, uh, there are uh, suits out there going on, and Time, time will change it, and uh, we're gonna let the market deal with itself. They don't want that bad publicity, so that they will come around. Jake, thank you very much. Uh, interesting conversation, stuff we'll be following. Hopefully, you'll get that legislation passed in uh, Wyoming, uh, like we did here in North Dakota. But there needs to be a plan for reclamation on the front side before some of these projects go in. Uh, Jake Milney, thanks for joining us this morning. You bet. Thanks for talking, guys. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bakken, Sarah Stogner, the Unicorn Lawyer, when we come back, along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life, Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., right here on Super Talk 1270. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Program schedule, updated local news, sports, contests, and more. Visit today at supertalk1270.com. Talk of the town, brought to you by... Big boy, just get in line. It moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty, Peak Automotive and Service, and Silver Ranch. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bike along with Jason Spees from The Crude Life, my co-host on Wednesdays. And, of course, you can catch Jason with The Crude Life on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Joining us on the program, uh, Sarah Stogner, the unicorn lawyer. And we're going to get into a lot over the half hour with uh, with Sarah. Uh, but the first little segment here, we want to talk about social media. Um, and Andy Ani from our sister station here uh, joining us. Andy, thanks for coming in this morning. Yeah. No problem. Uh, one of the uh, leaders in social media here in uh, our little radio group. And uh, uh, Jason, I'm, I'm just going to hand this over to you because you had this all planned out. And uh, tee it up, my friend. Well, you know, there's a lot happening in social media. And during the commercial break, uh, Sarah Stogner, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And Andy, thank you for joining us for this social media matters moment, if you will. Uh, I was going to talk about what the city of New York did for a proclamation, which is the mayor of New York came out and said he's declaring social media an environmental toxin for mental health reasons. But I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But, Sarah, you mentioned about uh, TikTok, how you, you're updating a video and doing some things. And the one you did yesterday got it's already at 100,000 views and this and that. Well, a story that we actually have scheduled to air Friday morning uh, on ESG University is that um, over 70% of people under the age of 30 are getting their news from TikTok to where they're they're getting their current events and break. I'm sorry, breaking news. That's what is breaking news. And much like um, when when the um, uh, newspapers were kind of going through bankruptcies back in 2000 and eight through 2012 the trend was facebook where people were getting their news from facebook so uh to me this is a generational thing but it reinforces that people are getting their news on social media at the end of the day even if you're a newspaper they're they're getting it on social media so uh andy uh you're a gen z correct or are you gen y i'm i'm a millennial technically so Oh. Cheers. Cheers to elder millennials. <laughs> now okay, they're going to so gang bo- up on us, Both of you are millennials, right? I, I think I, I'm 40 this year, and I think I'm considered an elder millennial. Okay. And, Andy, you, you'd be considered uh, kind of Not a 40 and uh, a younger you, millennial. You and I are Gen X. Yeah, we're, we're, we're Gen X. We're just old. Yeah, we're yeah. old. <laughs> we don't matter. Okay, so, where, Andy, where do you get your breaking news, I guess? Where do you get your news mostly? Do you sit down and watch, you know, the nightly news at 10 o'clock, or do you just get it from social media? It's 100% from social media. 
to be honest. Usually Facebook, I don't do the the TikTok as much uh, for for breaking news. But I I would understand why um, people younger are doing that, just because they feel like the people who are posting to TikTok are regular everyday people. So you mm-hmm. feel like you're kind of getting an unfiltered version of the news versus where you go and you see things posted on Facebook and it's always you know from some organization or or another. Uh, TikTok has this kind of raw aspect to it where you you feel like you're getting it from your peers and one of the reasons i wanted to start with andy was because andy works in radio she does actually a weekly television segment with the news so i mean Mm -hmm. she actually is involved with other mediums and she's also very active on social media she's a she's a content creator and that's one of the things with town square media that you have to be a content creator so uh, and, and Sarah, you're you're in that same space as well as a content creator. So, how does the reporting process work? So, when because there's different if you're consuming that news versus creating the content, which is dispensed okay. as news. Then, where does the reporting side come in? Now, Andy, you and a, a previous life before the radio were actually a a television reporter. Yeah. So you have a little bit different lens, but. Where does the reporting come in? Because you can't just be going through social media to gather all this information to uh, regurgitate a story. Actually, <laughs> there is a lot of that, to be honest. But it's it's mainly boots on the ground being a part of your community, I will say. But it some of it does come from social media, tips through social media. Actually, whenever I started wor- working in... a. a TV news. That was one of the things that they told me right out the gate. They're like, you know, you need to you need to be a part of all the groups on Facebook. You need to be messaging every single thing that you see that looks like it could be a story. A lot of it does come from from social media, Facebook specifically. So, so that's tips. But what about the facts? The facts you have to go well, chase down. But oh, I was going to say, let's let's transition to Sarah for a second because Sarah actually is a content creator, but she does it to tell a story through her 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 passion that she has going right there so what's interesting about her is she put out something yesterday got a hundred thousand views well that's the news so now we actually have people like you and me and andy steve calling sarah so here's sarah is not only the content creator but she also is the news as well sarah talk to me about that because that's kind of layered isn't it it is. And, and I'll add that I get a lot of people reaching out to me via LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, that are reporters. And so they follow my content and then I, you know, they'll call me, they'll direct message me and I'll, I will send them to other people where they can corroborate what I'm saying. Right. I can point them in the direction of the experts, the public records, et cetera, that has the information that backs up what I'm saying. But I think it is a dangerous, it's slippery slope because I'm sure that there are lots of people out there who haven't done their research that are just spouting off misinformation. And if you don't have reporters that are willing to dig into that and make sure that it's truthful, then you can have bad news, right? That's not truthful. Get out there. But Sarah, one of the things that you do is what Andy mentioned, which is boots on the ground. And that's one of the unique aspects of what you do. Thus, the unicorn lawyer. You're not an average everyday lawyer. By the way, folks, she actually is a lawyer. Kind of like, uh, remember in uh, Wayne's World, the crappy Beatles? You know, <laughs> uh, I, I censored it a little bit for TV, and Andy's like, what's Wayne's World? What's a Wayne's World? <laughs> no comment. 
So we, we, oh, we should probably give Andy a similar moniker. We'll just call her the unicorn content creator. Well, that's that's copying, you know. Yeah, yeah we can't we can't have two unicorns. <laughs> Oh, oh no! There's unicorns everywhere, right? Yeah. We can all be unicorns. I got a question for you, Andy. Uh, being a uh, on the other side of the millennials, if you will, do you get politics on your social media, like like a frontal type politics, or does it primarily stay away from that? Uh, yeah, I think it's mostly just based on whatever content I like to view the most. Yeah. But I will say whenever any kind of like uh, election or, or political cycle comes up, I will see more and more of that, even if I'm not, you know, necessarily the type of person that kind of consumes that type of content. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say that for the most part, no. But right around elections, you'll you'll see a surge. And uh, yeah, it's kind yeah, of I've noticed that, too. It's because one of the things when you work in the media, you can tell the difference between a lot of um, paid content and, and, and not paid and also what AI is and what some of the other uh, not AI type of things are. So uh, anyway, so I, I was just curious about where people are getting it. And Steve, I know we're getting close to a break here, but um, let's save the mental health and the city of New York declaring actual proclamation that social media is an environmental toxin is what he phrased it as steve well and the ai side of it's interesting too because when you're looking at both content creation and content consumption we're getting into an area now where do you trust anything it's it's really you're you're gonna have in all honesty you're gonna have old legislators getting duped like some people oh, yeah. used to get duped on telemarketing. They do they're that gonna now. Have to reach out to Andy. <laughs> they're they're going to have to reach out to Andy and Sarah and say, is this real or is this AI? Because Andy and Sarah are going to know the difference between AI and not AI. Whereas the old people that are making all the regulations, they don't know the difference. And they might knee-jerk reaction us into some bad legislation, Steve. Hey, I'm just glad you didn't say the old people like you and I. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Dan. Super Talk. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You know, the conversation on social media is very interesting. We're going to come back to that, uh, get Andy and Sarah on. Uh, together again, because uh, like you mentioned, New York passing legislation uh, against social media. Uh, but uh, want to get an update of what's going on down in Texas as far as, uh, Sarah, do you still have your pilot's license? I do still have my pilot's license, um, and I need to see if they've lifted it because the Railroad Commission claims that as of two days ago, the well is plugged, and they assured us after the well was plugged that the flight restriction would be lifted. So... We shall see. If it's plugged, no danger. So, no. I was just going to ask, um, Sarah, you know, we, we come in week in, week in, week out. 
You know, you've been poking the bear. You've been trying to give boots on the ground reporting. You know, you're really doing some some real, true grassroots uh, movement. In fact, there's a term that's coined called zombie wells that actually traces back to you, which is wells that come back to life because they were not plugged accordingly. They may get deemed a orphan well or an abandoned well later, but there is a period where everything thought it was done and now it's not anymore. Overall, just overall, what has it been like working with your elected officials? It's the railroad commission, whether it's the local, whether it's, you know, a county level, you're obviously known as someone as, like I say, poking the bear, but there's a reason for that. Talk to me about what it's been like working with your elected officials that you're paying for. I have been beyond disappointed. (laughs) Um, You know, at first I thought people just didn't know and that if I could educate them, they would be as angry at the situation as I am. And instead, it appears that some people have known and there's willful ignorance and denial And I think that the Railroad Commission has been complicit with helping operators, you know, essentially do half-ass work, pardon my French, right? And and I I don't know, I've, I've been perpetually disappointed. And so that's why I decided to run for office. I mean, it's one of those things where Superman isn't coming, no one's rescuing us. We've got to stop thinking that people in positions of power are doing anything for us, right? It's it's all a matter of follow the money. And I think, unfortunately, we're to the point in American politics where you have a duopoly, which is the two parties run by oligarchs, which are their major donors. And voters think that they actually are participating and actively involved, but it's a numbers game and it's all manipulated with emotions and fear by that duopoly, unfortunately. I was going to ask you a follow-up question. We only got a couple minutes. So, um, you know, I've interviewed uh, Commissioner Jim Wright, Commissioner Wayne Christian. We've had Christy Craddock on the program during our, our female um, empowering energy month and that sort of thing. So we've had very good conversations, you know, on the crude life. Talk to me about, you know, the people that have had, you know, good, very shallow surface type relationships with them, because I think that's the biggest obstacle, isn't it? To kind of get people educated. Yeah. I mean, I think how how can I answer this? It's you've got industry people who understand the reality, want to do the right thing, but it's a commodity. And if there's not, fair and even enforcement, it's impossible to compete, right? Because you don't set the pricing. No one's no one's buying, oh, responsibly produced oil and gas at the gas pump, right? <laughs> so um, I, I think that there's a lot of fear internally within the industry. And then people outside of the industry don't understand it. And just like anything that's complicated, it's they don't have time to dig into the nuances and those there's messaging that's 
intentionally misinformation, I think. And so, yeah, these people will come on to shows, elected officials, and they've got their script and they'll talk about all of the numbers and all of the great economy things, right? And at the end of the day, like we, we brag about the billions of dollars in tax money that's brought in. But if we have to clean up all these old wells, none of that tax dollars goes to schools or highways or anything else where we want to put right. it. Sarah Stogner, Unicorn Lawyer, uh, a lot to unpack, and we'll have to do that next week. By the way, uh, you don't have to pick next week. You're out because you took Detroit and Baltimore, which are not going to be in the Super Bowl, so it'll be Jason and I. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. KLXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.